Cross Church. Put your hands together. Help me lift the name of Jesus high. Come on, I said help me lift the name of Jesus high. Hallelujah. Awesome. I am so happy to be with you um, this morning. It is always a privilege to be in the house of the Lord and to be with other Christians that are doing the same thing that you want to do every morning. Uh, my name is um, James Destiny. I pastor a small church um, in Taunton, Massachusetts. Uh, my family is not here with me. I bribed them to come. I mean, I bribed my children to come, but they wanted to go to their own children's church. Um, so I'm here alone. So you're my family this morning. Amen. <laughs> The portion of scripture that I've chosen to preach on today is perhaps the most difficult and confusing scripture in the Bible. I want to give you four reasons why I believe it's confusing. And I will share some biblical principles with you in order to help take some of the confusions away. And then I will, I will share, I, I will give you some applications that you can go home with. And the text is uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 10. Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 10. It's the parable of the sower. And this is what it says. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, um, uh, from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seeds. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because it did not have enough moisture. Another seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant. Still, other seed fell on ground soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more then was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him um, what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secret of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parable so that Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. I told you it was confusing. In fact, the only reason why I'm preaching this is because I figured people that goes to waters are smart. Am I right? All right, let's go then. Let's do it. If you've ever read the Old Testament, you will quickly find out that Israel is perhaps, in the Old Testament, Israel is perhaps the only nation that was truly one nation under God. God, God freed them out of slavery from Egypt. God led them through the desert. God gave them this constitution. And God gave them a promised land. And God became their king. Israel was the only nation that did not have a king in the Old Testament. Every other nation were living under monarchy, a, a, a human king. 
But Israel was the only nation that was living under theocracy where God was their king. But right after God has, right after the, the last verse was written in the Old Testament, God decided not to speak for 400 years. 400 years complete silence. God did not speak to the Levites. He did not speak to the high priest. He did not speak to the Pharisees. I mean, that's six generations. That's your great, 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 great grandfather. Did not hear from God. I mean, they hear of the things of old, what he did with Abraham and Isaac and David. But God was not speaking. And all of a sudden, here come a new rabbi, a young rabbi named Jesus. He has a little church down the street, and he's claiming to be the Messiah. He's claiming not only to be the Messiah, but to be the very Son of God. Moreover, when he speaks, people were in complete awe. They were amazed because when he preaches the word of God, it wasn't like that of the synagogue. It was being preached with power. It was being preached with clarity. It was being preached with authority. So these people were thirsty to hear the word of God from this man named Jesus. And the word started getting out. The word started getting out from different towns and, whoa, there's this guy named Jesus who has a church down the street. You must come listen to him. It's life-changing. So every town wanted to hear Jesus. And it wasn't like us today. We have cars. We could come from Franklin and Taunton and Boston and Rhode Island and get to Waters Church in about 30 minutes. No, some people had to leave their house at 3 a.m. to make the 11 o'clock service. Some people had to sleep over a friend's house or at a hotel just to hear this word, this life-changing word from this new rabbi who's claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And when they get there that morning with all this excitement, he gave them a lesson on farming. <laughs> and worse, he ended the sermon like this. Let those who have an ear to hear let them hear. Oh, great, Jesus. Great. Spend all my night traveling to come listen to you. I mean, just think about it. That's the first reason I believe the text is confusing. Jesus is a carpenter. What is a carpenter doing giving people who knows how to farm farming lesson? That doesn't make sense. So that's one of the reasons why I believe this text is confusing. I mean, just think about it. I know, I know most of you here, it's not like everybody here is from, is from, is from North Attleboro. Some of you are coming from different towns as well. Some of you are coming from Rhode Island, just like these people. So I came from Franklin. I believe some of you are coming from Rentam. You're coming from Woonsocket. You're coming from different places to come to Waters. Now imagine... You're excited. Everybody's talking about this new church named Waters, Waters Church. And then you're exciting to come and you're expecting to hear a powerful word from God. And you show up this morning and I start my sermon like this. A tweeter went out to tweet. <laughs> or a texter went out to text. Or a blogger went out to blog. Or how to make friends on Facebook. 
mean, you didn't come to church for that. In fact, you know more about Twitter than I do. You know more about, you know more about Facebook than I do. On a side note, for some of you who are my friends on Facebook, please, when you go into the bathroom, you don't have to write it. I'm going to the bathroom now. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. In fact, I won't friend you. That was a side note. <laughs> you get to the sermon. Well, that was the first reason why I believe the text is confusing. But the second reason I believe the text is confusing is because the text says Jesus was speaking in parables. Jesus was speaking in parables. Preachers are not supposed to preach in parables. Preachers are not supposed to preach in parables. The word parable comes from two Greek words. The word para, which means alongside. Balo, which means to throw. So a parable is something you throw alongside. Well, let me give you a few. Paraprofessional. When you say somebody is a paraprofessional, you're saying this is someone they put alongside the teachers in the classroom. When you say someone is a paralegal, we're saying this is someone they put alongside the lawyers. They're not the lawyer, but they are the on alongside. When we say somebody is a paramedic, this is somebody we put alongside. So when you say parable, we're saying this is something we're throwing alongside. So that's what the word parable means. Let me give you a parable this morning. Even monkeys fall out of tree. Even monkeys fall out of trees. You see, when you're giving a parable, when you're giving a parable, the connection is left to the hearer to make the connection. When you give so somebody give you a parable, it, he left it, the person leaves it to you, the hearer, to make the connection. And that is the exact reason why preachers should not preach in parable, because the burden is left to the one who are listening to make the connection. In fact, Jesus says, I came to show you the Father. Then if you come to show me the Father, show it plainly to me. Don't make it confusing. I don't come to church to get a headache. I come to church for you to spend the week and try to understand this so you could make it a little bit easier for me. So why is Jesus preaching in parables? So that's the second reason why I believe this text is a little bit confusing. You see, preachers should not preach in parable. They should preach in illustrations. You see, preachers should preach with illustrations. Illustrations take an abstract truth and make it plain to the person to help them make the connection. That's what an, an, uh, 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 an illustration is. So Jesus make it clear that he came to, um, to, um, um, to, to let us know who the Father is. So why is he preaching in Parables. The third reason I believe this text is difficult and confusing is that in the text, it appears that Jesus is showing favoritism. It appears that Jesus is showing favoritism. Listen to what he says in verse, chapter 8, verse 10. He said, the knowledge of the, to his disciples, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others 
I speak in parable. The knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to the people who, who woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning to come listen to me at 11, to those who went to a hotel and slept at a friend's house and stayed in long line to get to the church, I speak in parable so that they don't understand. That doesn't make sense. Why is Jesus, I thought the Bible says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that the gospel is a whosoever gospel. Anyone, tall, short, big, skinny, black, white, rich, poor, they all can receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what is Jesus talking about that he's speaking parable so that his disciples can understand the secret of the kingdom of God is giving to them, but to others he speaks in parables. In fact, Romans chapter 2 verse 11 tells us, for God does not show favoritism. If God doesn't show favoritism, why does the secret of the kingdom of God is giving to the disciples, but yet to others? They were not people who were coming to challenge Jesus. They weren't the Pharisees. They were people who genuinely wanted to hear the word of God. So why is Jesus speaking in parable? So it seems like Jesus is showing some favoritism here. And the fourth thing I believe that makes this text very confusing is that Jesus seems to be a little bit, uh, Jesus seems to be malicious in what he's saying. Listen to what it says in, after he says in verse, in verse 10, part B. The reason why he's speaking in parable, listen to the reason. Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Now listen to what Mark chapter 4 Verse 11 to 12 says, this is how Mark put it. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parable. So that they may be ever seen but never perceiving. And never hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. This isn't what you want. You want them to turn and be forgiving? Isn't it why you give your life for Jesus? So that they can turn and be forgiving? So I'm very confused. Very confused. That can be very confusing to people. But thank God for great men of God. When I was in seminary, I had a teacher who taught me a great lesson. He said, James, whenever you read the Bible and you find it confusing, it's not the Bible, it's you. It's not the Bible, it's you. So I want to invite you to look at this scripture with me a second time. Can we? Let's look at it again a second time. Why would Jesus, a carpenter, give a farming lesson to people who are already farmers? The reason Jesus did this is because Jesus is a professional speaker. Jesus is a professional preacher. That's what you do as a professional. You see, when you invite an amateur to speak, the first question they ask you, what's the subject? But when you ask a professional to come speak, they say, who are my audience? You see, the speaker must make a connection to the people 
that they're going to speak with. And what is the best thing for Jesus to do? Well, you are farmers, then let me preach the word of God to you in order for you to understand it. I must preach what you know. I must meet you where you're at. In fact, one of the things I did in my sermon when I said a tweeter went out to tweet, didn't you laugh? Because that's what you know. You connect with that. This generation does connect with tweeting and blogging and Facebook. If I talk to you about goats, <laughs> you drive you crazy. But Jesus had to talk to them about what they know. So that's the first reason. That's why Jesus preached, uh, Jesus teach, was teaching them and was talking in farming language because Jesus wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to meet you where you're at. So I look at the second part that was confusing. I was asking myself, why does Jesus speak in parable? Jesus didn't speak in parable because he wanted to confuse them. He spoke in parable because he wanted them to draw nearer to him. Did you hear that? He wanted them to draw nearer to them. Listen to the text. He said, he finished his sermon that way. Let those who have an ear to hear, let them hear. Do you know the beauty of this text really, what it should have been written like in the English language? If you take it from the original language, let those who have an ear to hear, let them listen. Let them pay attention. You see what I just told you? A parable is give, when a parable is giving, the burden is left to the hearer to make the connection. When I give you a parable, you could decide to hear the parable and don't understand it and go home. But if you want to understand the parable, what do you do? You come, in, you come closer to me. You ask me, what do you mean by even monkeys fall out of tree? Well, I'm going to tell you since you ask. Even monkeys fall out of trees. Even experts make mistakes. That's what the parable means. Because monkeys are experts at climbing tree. And if they can fall on tree... Even experts will make mistakes. But the only way you can understand that parable is for you to draw nearer to me and say, I don't understand. And that is exactly what his disciples did. Disciples here and they paid attention. The crowd left. But the disciples draw nearer to Jesus. They said, I do not understand what you are saying. The crowd heard, they walk away. But the disciples heard, they pay attention, and they drew nearer to Jesus. He was not showing favoritism. He said, when he said, the knowledge of the secret of God, of kingdom of God, has been given to you. Jesus was not showing favoritism. Listen, both the disciples and the, the, the crowd did not understand no one understood what he was saying because it was a parable. But the disciples didn't go home. They didn't say, well, you know what? I have a football game to watch. They didn't say, you know what? I have, I have dinner to go to. They didn't say, you know what? I have to get prepared for Monday morning. No, they drew a little closer to Jesus and said, uh, Jesus, <laughs> whatever that sermon was, we may not have anyone coming to this church next week. Can you please explain what's going on here? So they drew nearer to Jesus. Jesus was not showing favoritism. And listen to what Jesus said to them. The secret 
of the kingdom of God has been to give in to you. The secret of the kingdom of God is, does, is not giving to hearers. The secret of the kingdom of God is giving to listeners. Listen to this. The secret of the kingdom of God is giving to those who make time for it. The secret of the kingdom of God is given to those who make time for it. Now let me ask you a quick question. Have you made time for the word of God? Have you been making time for God? Are you too busy? Too much going on in your life? You don't have time to pray? No, you're too busy not to pray. You are too busy not to seek God's face. So Jesus wasn't being, showing favoritism. Jesus wanted them to draw nearer to him. Because the secret of the kingdom of God is giving to those who make time for it. So lastly, I thought he was being malicious. It's not being malicious. There's a lesson to learn here. Some of the things God allowed to happen in your life, listen to me. Some of the things that God allowed to happen in your life, they are parables. What is a parable? Something that is thrown alongside. The problem in your marriage is a parable that God sent to you. Throw alongside. The sickness that you have is a parable God allowed to come to your life. The foreclosure you're facing right now is a parable you, God is throwing to you. Now you can decide like the crowd to walk away or be a disciple and draw nearer to God and say, God, what's going on in my life? You see, a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to serve God anymore because, well, my marriage is not going right. I'm not going to serve God anymore because my mother passed away. I'm not going to serve God because of all the things that happened in my life when I was younger. And they walk away from God. And if you walk away from God, when God has allowed the parables to come in your life, you're going to lose. And you're going to lose big. Draw near to God when the hard times come in your life because there are parables that is strong alongside if you walk away without understanding you're gonna lose I mean you're looking at it in your life you said why me why is it always me when these things happen to you the sickness you have right now the trouble you have in marriage. I mean, just think about it. You raised the children in church. You brought them to children's church. Every youth meeting. And then she turned, ter- she turned 16 and she came in the news home. Mom, dad, I'm pregnant. Or you send him away to college and you think he's about to graduate. You're preparing yourself to go to a graduation. He says, Mom, I haven't been going to school at all. And you're angry at God. Why me? Why my family? Can this be a parable that God is throwing alongside? So instead of you running away from God, so you could draw nearer to Him. Let me share to you, to you about. Let me share about three people in the Bible that God threw a parable in their lives. Remember Joseph. Joseph, Joseph, as a young boy, had a dream, and God spoke to him, and God said, "Joseph, you're gonna be big." So big that your brothers, they're going to bow down to you. 
And after this wonderful dream, his father brought him a coat. And co that coat signified that you're the chosen one. You are the one in the family. And the brothers got jealous. Right after he heard this glor glorious thing from God, two to three days or a week later, he finds himself being sold into slavery. That's a parable God threw alongside of the promise that he gave him. Is Joseph going to run away from God or is he going to draw near to God? Well, while Joseph was in slavery, Joseph, Joseph was in slavery, he worked hard and he found himself into Potiphar's house. And Potiphar was the next, was, was, was in the government. So Potiphar was rich. He had power. And the Bible says everything Potiphar had, he puts in the hands of Joseph to make the decisions except for his wife. But, but that didn't stop there, did it? His wife one day looked at Joseph and says, well, Potiphar's always going to a meeting, always going to a conference with the king. No, I'm lonely. And she wanted to have an affair with Joseph. And Joseph said, yeah, I'm going to stick it to God. I'm going to sleep with her because God said he was going to make me great. And I'm in slavery. And look what I'm going through. I'm away from, no, no, that's not what he said. <laughs> Joseph said, yeah, I understand this is a parable. And when Potiphar's wife came to him and tried to sleep with him, guess what he said? He didn't say, I can't do this to Potiphar because Potiphar is good to me. He said, I can't do this to my God. I can't do this to my God. Even though he was going through a tough time, he did not run away from God. He ran towards God. So when God sends you a problem, what are you going to do? Are you going to run away or are you going to draw near? And because Joseph drew near, guess what happened to him? He became second in command in Egypt. In fact, they said everything was under the hand of Joseph. In fact, he was the pharaoh in Egypt because he was the one who made the decision. And lo and behold, his brothers came and bowed down before him. So in order for you to get to Canaan, sometimes you have to go through the desert. And the desert is a parable in order for you to get to Canaan. Another person that got through a parable was Job. Remember Job? The Bible says Job was the richest man on the east. Not in the United States, not, not talking about an entire continent. He was the richest man. And he's, when he looked in his sky, his skies was blue, clear as eyes. But just one day, God threw a parable. God allowed a parable to come into his life. In fact, Joseph, things were so good for, for, for Job. God was bragging about Job. I mean, you, could you imagine God bragging about you? Hey, listen, this is my dream. One day that I would be in a corner and watch God uh, uh, um, bragging about me. Hey, what do you think about Pastor James? I'll be like, yes, take me. I'm done. <laughs> Joseph, um, Job, God was bragging about Job. And then right after God bragged about Job and blessed him with all these things, guess what happened to Job? Job lost everything. Not in a month, 
not in six months, not in a year, and one day. He lost his house, he lost all his riches, all his camels, all his chariot, even his children. And his wife came to him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you walk away from God? Because this parable is too much for God to throw alongside of you. He said, woman, shall I only accept good from God and not trouble? Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord give, and the Lord take away. May the name of the Lord be glorified. Instead of running away from God, Job drew near to God. So when God throws you a parable, you got to be smart. No matter how much it is, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's tough for you, but stay with God. I mean, last one. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys find themselves in exile. They're in exile in a country they don't know. But yet they found the favor of God. And when they found the, when they found the favor of God, when they found the favor of God, God, um, um, but, but, but people were jealous about the favor that they found from God. And they can't find anything wrong to say about them. Then they say, the only one thing I could find with Daniel is if, ha- if it has to do with his God. Then they decided Daniel would not worship any other God but the God who created this heaven and this earth. So they decided a plan. They went to the king and said, King, we're going to erect a big statue of you in, 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 in every nation, everyone at the sound of the, of, of, of the horn. Everyone should bow down. And you know they went to exile, so the pastors, the high priests, the, the Levites, the scribes, they all went to, uh, to exile too. So, when, so that did happen, and then they, sound the, they made the sound, and then everybody, the pastor bowed down, the Levites bowed down, the high priests bowed down. But Daniel said, uh-uh. I worship only one God. Even though this parable is tough. Even though I, it seems like I can't handle this parable. This is, a, this, this is a big parable. This is a matter of life and death. If you don't worship the king, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. You're going to be thrown in the furnace. furnace. And they look at the king. They say, king, this is not up for discussion. We've already made up our mind. We believe our God can take this parable away from us. But even if he doesn't, we don't mind dying. Instead of running away from God, they drew nearer to God. So now let me ask you a question. You know what Joseph did? You know what Job did? You know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did? What are you, wait, what are you willing to do with your parable this morning? What are, you ready to, what are you willing to do with the parable in your life? In fact, some of you, it was before you came here, God allowed a parable to come into your life. Right before you came in here. Some of you, it was last week. Some of you have been living with your parable for 10 years. 20, 30. And you're asking yourself, when is it going to stop? Now the question I have for you. Have you been drawing near to God? Or are you just complaining? 
Are you just ready to give up? Or do you want to draw near to God? Because the, because the secret of the kingdom of God is given only to those who make time for it. The secret of the kingdom of God. Many people are coming here to church, coming to my church, coming to different churches. And they're coming to hear. But are you coming to listen? Are you coming to pay attention? Are you coming so that you could make time for the kingdom of God? You see, people are always calling, Pastor James, can you pray for me? Why, why, why do we always, always want to have people pray for us? When God has opened, opened his home and said, come anytime you want. Speak to me. In fact, that's exactly what happened to the people of Israel. They decided they didn't want to speak to God. And God says, because you don't want to speak to me, you will always have a mediator. And that's how you became to have a high priest. Because they didn't want to speak to God. They were making excuses. God says, come and speak to me. I'm making myself available. But are you? Are you? I know you say you're busy. And I know it's true. I know some of you have one job, two. You have children to run and go to different sport games with them and music and ballet and you have the bills to pay. I have them as well. But I'm asking you the question, have you been making time for God? Is God a part of your day? Is he part of your equation or do you just come here every Sunday, every Saturday to listen but don't make time to hear, to spend time with God? Because the secret of the kingdom of God, it's not because Jesus is being malicious. God says, I will not give you the secret of my kingdom until you decide to spend time with me. Now, I'm not asking you to spend two hours in prayer every day. That's for the professionals. <laughs> and I'm not one of them. It's not about... How much time you spend. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. Amen. When you wake up in the morning, where, who do you look up to? Do you lift up your eyes to the hills or do you get on Facebook? In fact, I have some friends. The moment they wake up, the first thing they reach out for is for their phone. To look what is the next, the latest news or what people has posted on Facebook. Can you take five minutes to speak to the God of universe? To the one who, to the one, and to the one you breathe and move and have your being? Can you take five minutes to say, God, I don't know what this day is going to bring. But I know who holds this day. So I'm putting my day in your hand. May I walk in your favor. May I walk in your precept. And before you lay your head on that pillow, can you take five minutes and speak to the God of the universe? Because the kingdom, the secret of the kingdom of God is only given to those who make time for it. Come on, let's stand on your feet. God... I want to make time 
for you, but I don't know how. God, I want to make time for you, but I don't know how. I tried to, I can't. I tried to, God, but I can't. Jesus said to his disciples, will you not tarry with me for one hour? For five minutes? Listen. I was praying to God at the beginning of the year. I was saying, God, what are you willing to do with me this year? And he spoke to me. He says, James, allow me to minister to you. Because if you don't allow me to minister to you, you will be no good to anyone. Sometimes as a pastor, as a preacher, you can get caught up in preparing sermons, in preparing Bible study. But don't go to the Bible for you. And don't go to God for you. You see, as a preacher, I get to travel. Two weeks ago, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, preaching. And when I go away, I love it. And I don't like, whatever church I'm going to, they said, I'll put you in a hotel. I said, no, don't put me in a hotel. Find someone in the church. Let me, let me stay with them for that week or for that weekend. You know why? You get treated like king. Like royalty. When I go in these homes, I make new friends. And then they prepare the water you're going to take a bath. I mean, you wake up, you have your breakfast. I'm telling you, I called my wife. I said, I don't know if I'm coming back. <laughs> but sometimes I go into these homes. The wife spends so much time preparing things. And I never get to know her. I leave and I make a friend with the husband. But I don't know who the wife is. Although she was the one taking care of me. And this is exactly what happened between Martha and Mary. And Mary. Martha was preparing a five-course five meal for Jesus. And then she's getting frustrated because some, the things are burning and, and she needed help. And Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And she goes to Jesus and gets angry and says, Jesus, can you tell Mary to help me? And Jesus says, Mary Mary's in the right place. And it will not be taken away from her. Don't get me wrong. I'm a pastor. I love the, the Marthas of this world. Because without the Marthas of this world, nothing would have get done in the church. But what Jesus was saying to Martha is this. You could have made a simple meal. And I could have enjoyed that simple meal. But spend some time with me. Spend some time with me. I love it when I go in a home and they make a simple meal. But I get to know the wife. I get to know the husband. By the time I leave that house, I made two more friends. The secret of the kingdom of God is given to those who make time for it. I urge you, I urge you, make time for God. Make time for God. 